everyone. Welcome to the Renaissance Project, a Black girls movement. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Chase Clark, and I'm thrilled to have you join me on this journey of liberation and conversation. Life has an interesting way of putting the pieces together. It can take an experience so small to connect you to something so big in your life. One July, my family and I were scrambling back from a trip to Baltimore, rushing to make an event for one of our nonprofit community partners, Bella Hearts. When we arrived, we came with the intention of being as engaged as possible, but we also recognized that our social media was running low. Uh, well, I'll speak for me and not for my mom, but mine was running low. Um, <laughs> we listened to all the stories of the other community partners that the Bellas had chosen to speak, and each one caught my attention for different reasons. But one man in particular made it to my notes section, which means you said something very right, to me at least. Um, the story that he shared with the audience humbled me and recharged me at the same time. And after the speeches were done, we met. Um, and after that, my life was changed for the better, believe it or not. Um, I won't tell the story, but uh, I'll say that from here, from this time that I met this guest, we haven't talked every single day since we've met. But the time that God has put us together, he put us together very strategically. Um, and every time that we have spoken or interacted in any way, this person has literally changed my life with their words. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to let him tell his story. And I want you to completely immerse yourself, family, in the life of Dana Dodger. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Great day, everyone. Through God's grace and mercy, I'm sitting here at this podcast platform to tell my story. And first of all, I got to acknowledge God because it was only him that I am now eight years clean from a 15-year crack addiction. And I'll tell you a little bit about my story. About two weeks before November 8th, which is my clean day, I was at my end. I was spiritually dead, just broken. And I remember this particular time I was behind a store in Gate City uh, named Easy Way. And I had just done a little boost and got some of my substances that I like to get high with. And I'm back there by myself and I'm just crying. I was like, God, I don't want to die. I want to go to jail. But I don't want to keep living like this. And I was really at my end. I, I really wasn't getting high or the drugs. Nothing was satisfying me. Uh, and I was just tired. Well, two weeks later, I decided to go to the mall and do my normal hustle, you know, go in there, take something and walk out, go sell and go back through that same vicious cycle again. Well, this time I thought I was smart. I seen the clerk with his back towards the desk and I walked up and I act like I was going to exchange it like I bought it in. Well, unbeknownst to me. Loss prevention was looking through the cameras. I had been in there so many times, been told not to come back so many times that they basically just held me up till they could get to me. And because I tried to exchange that like that, that wasn't a misdemeanor. It was a felony. Mm. So, you know, I go through the uh, routine of getting locked up. And uh, that was November 7th of 2013. So November 8th, 2013, I wake up. Uh, you know, like, here you go again, you know, waiting to find out how much my bond going to be or somebody going to get me out. And that didn't happen this time. Uh, my mom and my lady, 
uh, they both wasn't going to get me out. They didn't want me in the things I was doing, so they was going to leave me in there. But in my mind, they was going to get me out because my bond was low. And once I realized I wasn't going to get out, uh, I really had to take things serious. And then I get a letter of a true bill indictment. And what that is is if you're convicted of that, then you are a habitual felon. And you're not looking at just months and days. You're looking at years. So it kind of got me, you know, really in my attention. And my lawyer came in and said, look, put my, I remember how he threw my folder on the table. And he said, look, I got your habitual felon dropped. He said, but they want you to plead in 9-11 months for this charge. And he said, I suggest you never come back in here again. He said, because they don't normally drop habitual felons all the time. <laughs> and I was so relieved of that being dropped. I was like, all right. And I was like, this is your opportunity to do something different. Because my mind went back to when I was praying to God and, you know, I had all the substances that an addict would want to get high, but I was empty. And uh, for the first time in my life, I got honest in prison. You know, there's a test you have to take once you get sent to prison for you to go to the uh, rehab program. And I answered it correctly, you know, honestly, and I didn't get in. And I was upset. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, all the other times I lied on it and they still wanted me to go. You know, because I had been in prison something all two times. And uh, I remember my lady saying, well, be patient. Something will work out. And then two weeks later, they called me to the office and said, hey, well, we're going to send you to this prison because they had this rehab camp there. And that really was the beginning of my transformation. Actually, you could say behind the store, but that's when I started applying certain tools and skills and things I learned to help myself. And we went from the worst class this teacher ever had to the best class. Wow. Uh, I remember Miss Moore vividly. Uh, she said, look, one day she just got fed up. She said, I come in here and sit from eight to five all day. I'm going to get paid regardless. Y'all the ones in here. And I said, man, stop playing. So I started participating and others started participating. And I became a teacher's pet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And she told us at our graduation, she said, y'all went from the worst class I ever had to the best. And we all kind of cried together because we fought with each other and to understand our issues and she's trying to help us and everything. And I remember doing a phone conversation. I had just came from Chow Hall and I was on the phone with my lady and she was eating. You can tell somebody eating on the phone. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was like, what you eating? She said, French dip sandwich. I said, man, that sounds good. Wish I could have one. She said, well, make better choices. And the impact of that simple, I'll say sarcastic, mm -hmm. you know, was mm -hmm. answer really was profound because that was, it was that simple. Just make better choices. And I remember when I was uh, on the road squad, that's when you go lead a camp. Uh, with the state at that uh, time and you could work and I remember just doing everything they gave me to do going above and beyond and I remember a couple of days before I was going to get out my crew leader pulled me aside he said look if you apply the same behaviors that I seen you with me 
man, sky's the limit when you get out of here. And then August 4th, 2014, my parole officer picks me up. And the first thing I say to her is, you're not going to have a problem out of me. First thing she said to me, she looked me up and down and said, we'll see. Mm. She gave me an appointment that following Monday for 9.30. I was there at 8.30. See, my track record is I get out on parole or probation. I'm running. I'm not following your rules. You're just going to catch me if you can. But this time I was serious. And I like to also point out that my mother allowed me to move back in her house as well. Uh, of course, the relationship was strange. That bridge was burnt because of my addiction. But the divine came in and allowed my mother's heart and mind to be opened and let me back in. And I took advantage of it like I should have. And I wound up becoming my parole officer's first client to ever finish parole successfully. Huh. And in my last visit to her, she handed me a sheet of paper to welfare reform, workforce development program. And I applied and I got in and I took the construction track and I went through the different levels and everything. And, you know, people graduated, they was getting employment right off the bat and I was applying and not getting, but I wasn't giving up. And I remember this one particular day I went by there because you could go there after your session is in, mm -hmm. you know, to keep applying and just sharpening your skills. And there was a flyer on the board for uh, Patriot staff and a day labor service at the time. And it says hiring for um, solid waste and no sanitation, some solid waste, something like that, construction. Well, I applied and I got an interview. And I was excited because I got an interview. Mm. And I remember some from the skills I learned for interviewing with workforce development to ask certain questions. And so we went through the interviewing process and I found out which position was where and I found out that the solid waste position was with the city of Greensboro. So the first thing I asked is, is it an opportunity for full-time employment? And he said, yeah. I said, well, I want that. And he looked at me surprised. He was like, well, most people want the construction. I said, no, I want that. And I got on with the city, started working and as fate would have it, I'm working solid waste and I go to work one day and the lady come in and she's sending everybody out and she came out of the office and left the office and everything. I'm there in the office by myself. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, shoot, I'll just go home. Mm -hmm. And really in my mind, I'm like, did I do something? Because, you know, I had lived the life of I'm always doing something. Mm -hmm. And she came back in. She said, Dan, I ain't seen y'all. I said, no. She said, my bad. Right then, who would become my mentor, the reentry expert, Victor Vincent, had called. Hey, we just got rid of somebody. We need a replacement. And I got on uh, working with the LEAF program. And then I found out through talking with other people that they keep four temporary staff around all year round. I said, well, I want to be one of them. And I found out what I needed to do. And I made it all the way to the last cut. And I got cut. Oh, day, man. Right? And they said, well, you come to finish your 40-hour uh, week, mm -hmm. you know, tomorrow, make sure you come in. And I was like, all right. And I remember going out in the parking lot and I looked up in the sky and I had a tear come in my eye because I've never worked so hard, honestly, for something. I said, God, I want to thank you for whatever you're doing. And I got home maybe an hour later. My mom asked how it went and I told her and I was crying because I like, you know, for the first time in my life in a long time, 
I didn't cut no corners. I didn't lie, manipulate, cheat still. I worked honestly hard for something. And I get a phone call. And it's the guy they chose over me. He said, hey, man, make sure you come in tomorrow. He said, because I'm not taking that position. I'm like, what? Stop playing. He said, nah, man, kickback justice offered me a full-time position. Yeah. And once that happened, I was like, okay. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That's the epitome of not giving up or getting mad and say, ah, oh, I did this, you know, because a lot of, I've have seen people do that. Things don't go right in their life and they go back to their old way of life, not mm. me. And I got on as a temp and I found out what I needed to do to be full-time and I had to get my license first. Well, records of my past, I had to pay about $3,000, but I was able to do it. And I was able to do it easy because my mom allowed me to stay at her house where I didn't have bills, mm. you know, certain things to be concerned about that a lot of other people who are getting out of treatment facilities, prison, or off the street have to deal with. Mm. So my transformation from the destructive lifestyle to the constructive lifestyle was much easier. And I've always had that in the back of my mind, like, you know what I'm saying? And it's always stayed with me. And got my license, got hired on as a roster, and that's seasonal with the city. And then by the time my seasonal track was going to end, three full-time positions was open with the department. I started off as a temp, mm. and I was their number one choice because of the work ethic I put in. And that led me to most other things. And after a while working, even getting a car and everything, Started weighing heaven on me. Like, man, you got to do something. said, because it was just such a mind-blowing experience for me to have accumulated and been successful this way. I felt I needed to give back. So me and a guy I'm uh, in recovery with named Brad I uh, started having, he had this idea to sell T-shirts that says, I am hope. And what we do with the proceeds is buy hygiene products and give back. And we did that for a couple of years. And. Then one year, uh, beginning of January, I think 2018, I called and said, hey, man, what are we going to do this year? He said, man, I'm going to do uh, a car show. That's how I'm going to raise money to give back to the community because he's in the car. It's heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gate City Showdown, you know. And I said, all right. He said, but I'm going to give you all my connects with the T-shirts, and you do it. He said, you're passionate about it. And he had I Am Hope. I was like, well, we do recover. We do recover as a universal saying. You can recover from a bad haircut. Recover from bad food you ate. <laughs> recover from bad relationship. You can recover from anything in life. And as long as you had the willingness and willing to put the work in it. Mm-hmm. I, I must say that. Because you don't just say, okay, I want to do this and then it happened. No, you have to apply some work to it. And that started taking off the We Do Recover shirts. And I was able to do toiletry drives. And that led me to meeting people like the Bellas, Chase's Chance, the Reentry Expert, the Almond Connection, uh, the JCs of Greensboro, uh, Joy Consulting, all these people, uh, AWOL Fitness, Chissa Pennock, all these people I met. And it was only by the blessings of God because God was showing me if you would just apply yourself and acknowledge me in all you do, I would direct your seven, direct your steps and then crown your efforts with success. And that's what has happened. And we've been able to go from just doing toiletry drives to now doing crop overs. 
Crop Overs is a gathering of different nonprofits and other organizations that provide resources to help the people. Mm. See, me being experienced with homelessness, judicial experience, and suffering with addiction, I really relate. And then even once on top of all that, I am now a crew leader downtown Greensboro, where a lot of the people experiencing homelessness, that's where they're at, in the center of Greensboro. So I get to see, feel, and hear every day what they need, what they go through, and I can identify and relate with them. Mm-hmm. So I feel it's only right for somebody who had it not as hard as it could have been because of my mother. I know some of these people don't have a mother to go to offer their house uh, home to or have family that's going to support it because they might not just have a family or it might just be that their family wants nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. And that's the case with a lot. And so me knowing this, but I know there's other people like me who want a different life, who going to need people out here advocating for them. You know, I've been told, Dana, you're the voice of the voices. Keep doing what you're doing because you're out there raising awareness for people and giving people hope to help people that you was, you know, walk down the same path as. And it's only by the blessings of God that I'm able to do that. And I really realize that every day and more and more. You know, at first it was kind of like, yeah, but, you know, in my mind, because I've, I mean, I'll tell you the truth. Even with all that success, I still kind of doubted myself because I was so used to doing great and then I mess up, Mm -hmm. you know. But then when that one year being clean came, that two year, three year, four year, five year, and then having employment steadily, I was like, wow, you really doing this? And it's only because I do it one day at a time. It's only because I stay in recovery. It's only because I give. You know, giving is part of my therapy to help others. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be miracles to other people. You know, a simple gesture is someone else's miracle. And I always say that every time we do an event, I let people know. Your simple gesture of holding the door for somebody, let them in, is a miracle. Or making sure this child has a backpack full of school supplies, that's a miracle. Or just speaking to somebody. Mm. I can't tell you how many times I've walked through the park, Center City Park. I'll tell you about a guy I met. I was walking through there one day and a lady stepped in front of me and I kind of stepped to the side, nonchalant, you know, nothing to me. And he said, hey, hey, excuse me. I was like, huh? He said, I noticed your mannerism right there. You know, you didn't let that bother you. I said, "Uh, no. I said, man, I've been out here. I know what it's like. Mm. And that, started a conversation with me and him. And so every time I would see him, we would talk. So he started talking about the things he wanted to do in life. At the time, he was living in his van, you know, out there on the street and everything. And I can tell you he was very intelligent, by the way, the guy talked. And he said, I asked, I said, well, what you want to do? He said, in Ohio, man, they selling foreclosed houses and all that. I could get one about $5,000 and everything. And he said, I didn't figure out how to get the money. I said, how's that? He said, drive trucks. At this time, he had no license, so he didn't have a truck license mm-hmm. anything. And I said, all right. And I would just talk with him. He never asked me for anything. And it was just like, what I'm getting at is you spend time with people, you can change their life. Sometimes people just want you to listen to them and tell you their dreams, their goals, or, you know, their issues. And so they could better themselves. And this guy went from in one month 
to no license to a license to a CDL license to now driving tractor trailers across the country. Wow. Wow. And I didn't, you know, it was like a lot of people don't want to be bothered with people because they think they're going to be asked for something. Sometimes you just spending time with somebody as a miracle. Um, I remember one time it was really hurting me because I remember I used to drive home from work and ride through downtown. And I was like, you know, you know, it's going to be cold tonight. People going to be still sleeping out here and you got a warm place to live. And I mean, I remember he really almost brought tears in my eyes one time because I, I did, it didn't feel right. And I was like, God said, that's why I got you down here to make a difference. You know, and I really believe I have purpose in life. Um, being addicted to crack for 15 years, seeing some of the things I've seen, hearing some of the things I heard and experiencing some of the things. I would tell anybody, especially if you're young, don't try to live that lifestyle that you think is what's portrayed in music or in the movies, the way of life. Because it only has two endings, prison or jail. I mean, prison or death. And for me, I was in some situations where my mom could have been burying me, you know, because I took some things or did some things to some people. And I remember one time I was beating an hour, beat for an hour in a shower because mm-hmm. something came up missing. Or being driven out to a vacant house when nobody's around and just being beat. And I remember all that. And I was like, you survived all that. So you had purpose. I asked my aunt one time, I said, what is my purpose in life? She said, Danny, you're in it. Whatever you're passionate about. And my passion is helping people. My passion is telling my story. So some mother who may be listening to this, who has a child on drugs, not to give up. Keep praying. You know, it's not your child or that person that your your loved one that's doing those things. It's the addiction. Addiction is really is treated as a criminal matter, but it should be a mental health matter. You know, there are some countries where it is treated as a mental health matter. Uh, we can get, that's another story because I have my own theory mm-hmm. about that. You know, uh, they say crime don't pay. It don't pay for the criminal, but mm-hmm. it pays for the judges, the doctors, the, well, the doctors too, the lawyers, the DAs, the police. It pays all of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't get caught up in that trap, that system. Uh, the dealers are just addicted to the lifestyle of making the money as well as the addicts are addicted to the drug. That's why they get out from doing time and go right back. I don't think people catch on to that because I guess they're looking at looking at them as the, you know, aggressor. They didn't want to push the drugs, but they have an addiction too. They're addicted to the lifestyle. Why was somebody who done 10 years, uh, matter of fact, it was one just got out, a real well-known guy named Alpo. Had got out, you know, down all that time. And then on his last day on earth, he's throwing drugs out the truck. Mm. So you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you you so caught up in that lifestyle, addicted mm-hmm. to that uh, false, and uh, it's, a, it's blinded by the light, as I say. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I actually really uh, turned to abusing drugs because I was out there selling it. You know, my identity was in the clothes I had, 
the cars I drove, the motorcycles, the women, the jewelry, all that. And then when I was stripped, I was empty. So I started abusing drugs to fill that void. And that just took me down a downward spiral. Mm. Uh, I think most everybody who's listening to it, and when I listen to it back, I'm not saying much, but um, it was important to me for you to speak about it, speak about your experiences and speak about your life. Um, because all the times that I have talked to you, I've caught, you know, little bits and pieces from the story that you'll tell. Um, but I think it's so por- important and the main purpose of this series as a whole is to just hear from people, you know, yeah. and hear their stories and hear where they came from and where they're at now. Um, because when I met you or when I saw you that day and you were telling your story, I was like, I guess it can sometimes be hard to put someone's experiences in their life from their past and you see them now and it's kind of hard to put those two things together because even as you're talking it's you know I know you now um the way you are but you know does that make sense yeah you kind of disassociated I guess um so that's why I'm not talking much I just am like really immersed I guess in in everything that you're saying um because it is just such like an incredible feet that I hope you realize it. I think you do that. It's an incredible thing um, for you to literally go in a 180 direction. Um, but I do want you to speak a little bit more about Dana Daughtry 180. All right. Dana Daughtry 180 was created as a business uh, for, so I could be legally selling t-shirts. And in doing that, people heard my story, such as yourself, mm. the Bellas, uh, A Legacy of Hope, and through Vic, my mentor, who also has a similar background as me, uh, it was a blessing I met him. Uh, not only was he a supervisor in my department, and we laugh sometimes because he has a uh, nonprofit called The Reentry Expert. And by working with him now, I realized, I said, hey, man, I was your client when we first met. But I wasn't officially a client. He would just give me things to do. And mm-hmm. he seen me willing to do these things or even strive to do them then he, the more he will work with me. And he supported my business, Dana Daughtry 180. And then people was like, you know, you handle Dana Daughtry 180 business like a nonprofit. Why don't you be a nonprofit? <laughs> so I kind of heard what I had it all to do. I said, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But it just, it would never leave. It would never leave the nonprofit. And I would call the toiletry drives Gate City Toiletry Drive. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic hit. And that's when it hit me. It's like, man, do you see how blessed you are? You said you survived the pandemic. You didn't lose your uh, employment. You know, you were, I was in a way affected, but in a way not. And I was just like, it's time to go get it. You know, because I seen how many lives were lost, how many lives was changed. And I made a phone call uh, right here to Elon Law School. Cause they have a, a clinic that does the paperwork pro bono. And got to talking with them, told them my vision and everything about Gate City 180, the nonprofit. And it got started. We started the paperwork. And then August 4th, 
of this past year, we became an official nonprofit. Yeah. Uh, I'm clapping. I hope they can hear me. <laughs> yeah. And we 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 also network with a lot of other nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all serve different purposes, but we come together to serve one purpose, mm-hmm. like the toilet drive, like the crop over. You know, your mom may call me and say, hey, Danny, you might want to check this out. Or I'll call you, you know, vice versa. Mm-hmm. We work together. And even though everybody has to get funding, we're not in a competition thing where, like, I ain't going to help them out because we need it. No, we're seeing that we could come together collectively and do greater things mm-hmm. together. Like, you know, I'm already planning for 2022. Mm-hmm. Crop over in April. Uh Told us you drive in May, then September, another crop over because the crop over, and I like to talk about that. Crop over, it's called crop over because in the Caribbean islands, they have a festival called a crop over, and that's the celebration of gathering of harvest. Mm-hmm. Well, we wanted to celebrate a gathering of resources. So we mm-hmm. had Department of Social Services, North Carolina Works, the Reentry Expert, United Healthcare. We decided. Instead of trying to send people to all these places that offers these services, why not bring the places to the people right here at Center City Park? And it was a success. When I was told that eight people that day applied with North Carolina Works for employment, and the guy who runs it said, man, he's been to places where nobody has applied, I was like, wow, we got something. And then you get the reaction of the people that you're out here serving. And they're saying, thank you for doing that. And then you have other organizations who hear about who call you, hey, we want in, we love what you're doing, let us know how we can help. So it's going to grow. Anytime you're doing something with somebody else, that's the greatest act of love. That's kindness, mm-hmm. being kind. Because I know what it's like. Uh, I was the guy who actually <laughs> wore the same clothes probably for like 90 days straight. I think so bad that dope dealers used to pay me this. <laughs> like, look, man, look, we'll give you this if you go in that bathroom and you know, take these clothes and then we're going to look look out for you later. Mm-hmm. I, I was that guy, you know, and it's been really a blessing because the same items I used to boost to sell to get high, we go out here, get now and give them to people and be a miracle to them. Mm-hmm. You know, a simple gesture of making sure somebody have all their hygiene products because you never know if somebody is out here really trying and they have an interview somewhere, and they had the products that they need to freshen up. Mm. Or you give somebody some clothes or some shoes. You don't know how that makes a person feel who needs it. You know, I'm not saying everybody's going to get it, but we have to be ready for when those people are ready that want to make a difference in their life, and not only life, eventually help somebody else make a difference in their life. Mm. I'm just a vessel. A great one. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have to say this because it was amazing that you brought it up where we met at. And I remember telling uh, Sherry, I said, I want to work with her. Because you inspired me like, yeah, I just came from Baltimore. And I, I could tell you was tired. You're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. but you still showed up. That's being accountable for it. You know, I was like, wow, she's like my hero. Because I heard your story. You started like, what, seven years old? Second grade, whatever age that is. Right, I can't even get this anymore. You want to make a difference in this mm-hmm. world. You know, you already 
and I have to say this, even though it's your platform, you're already setting a blueprint for other young adults to look at. So your story needs to be told because we need to inspire more others. And how can we help those who might not have the same resources we got, help them be able to make a difference? Mm. Because a lot of times I think a lot of people think they have to have a certain amount of money to help. No, you don't. You really don't. If you if you got plenty of food in the house and you got trays or uh, a plate, aluminum foil, and you got some extra food, you know somebody's down the street holding a sign or somebody's hanging out. I mean, you know they don't have uh, access to everyday essentials. That's how you could be. Start off right there. Mm. I tell anybody, it's like, well, how did you get started? Because I remember the conversation I had with Brad. I said, man, how did you get started with all you do? He said, I found something I was passionate about. And I'm passionate about what I do. And being able to actually have a career and be and see how that is aligned up with what I do outside of the city of Greensboro. I was like, yeah, that's truly a blessing. And I'm really humble about it. I've been told I wear humility. People are like, man, you need to be walking around here. Da, da, da. I was like, no, nah, I want to go back to that guy who <laughs> think he got it because, you know, I just want to stay that way because I don't never forget where I came from. Mm-hmm. I don't ever forget about sleeping in stairwells that smell like urine. I don't ever forget about sleeping in vacant houses or utility closet in Smith Homes. I don't forget that. Because that way I know I got to keep going. And I stay doing what I'm doing because I know there's somebody else who's out there right now who's going to one day say, I'm tired of this and want to do something different. So let me be that voice in that avenue to help that person or make sure there's going to be things in place to get this person to rat, to be a better person for society. Man, oh man, I just knew I was, I'm not, I'm not going to cry today. I'm not going to cry today. Maybe when I hear it back and I'm alone and with myself, then I'll, I'll probably shed a tear, but right, not right now. Um, but uh, as you were talking, one thing I was thinking about was the first Totally G drive that we were a part of. I remember being in that, I think it was a Zoom call, whatever. We were on that virtual, uh, no, 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 no. The first time we were at, one of those buildings in downtown Greensboro. Transform Greensboro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the first time I think that my mom told me, you know, she gave me a general idea of, of what it was. Cause I do remember that day was like, we had to go somewhere. We had to go somewhere else. We had to go somewhere else. So she was like filling me in on the way. She's like, we're going to go to this meeting. We're going to hear it out. We're going to, you know, engage. And I was like, okay, <laughs> fine. So we walk in and we sit down and, I don't remember saying much of that meeting. I don't remember my mom saying much of that meeting either. Um, in most events that we're at, we we don't really say much unless, you know, we're prompted to. Um, but I remember sitting there and kind of like taking in the atmosphere. And I realized like that was one of the first times where I was with a vast group of nonprofits. Um, and not only that, a vast group of nonprofits with leaders that looked like me. Um, and so for me... What that did was, number one, let me know that I'm not alone. Right. Um, of course, it's my mom and I have my team. But for the most part, up to that point, it was just kind of us functioning in our own little nonprofit world um, without much idea of, you know, where else we could take it or where else we could go. But um, sitting in that atmosphere, 
being around other like-minded people who had a goal of helping others, having hearing y'all bounce around ideas about how this could look, how this could go. Um, it was it was a moment for me. Um, and so it kind of did take me back to that Bella Hearts event when I was hearing a lot of y'all for the first time, when I was seeing a lot of y'all for the first time, and I was like, okay, this is nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so then fast forward to the first toiletry drive where we were at Citizen Center City Park. Um, that for me was, it was a different experience. Um, prior to that, I think one of the only times that I'd directly interacted with the homeless community was at the YWCA, um, shelter. When we would go, we used to go, um, and give them lunch or dinner, um, for a couple days and we would do that. And that was like maybe an hour. Then we would interact with some of them and then kind of go about our ways. But this was like a different experience because I'm outside first of all mm-hmm. outside I think we did it in the morning time pretty sure and it was a little cold I do remember that in my it was a lot cold, it, yeah, I, was yeah, cold. I think that was like in April like yeah I hadn't warmed up yet yeah it, it was cold <laughs> and <laughs> we were getting everything set up and I was tired and I was like man oh man I was being really selfish is what I'm alluding to I was like man it's cold. It's early. We got to get this stuff out. And. But see, by you sharing what you just sharing, uh-huh. you're letting people know you're human. True. But you still persevering. True. You know, because there's going to be times like. <laughs> and then when a lot of times I don't know about you, when I was really like, I'm tired. I don't know if I like doing this. But then when I do it anyway, my mm. spirits are lifted. Yeah. You know, so sometimes this, I'm going to say nonprofit work. Is not easy at all. At all, <laughs> because they're gonna get a lot of phone calls. Yeah, gonna get some emails. Hey, da, 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 da. and some some of those conversations go places. Others may not. But I look at it. You're planting a seed, and so a lot of times you're like, by you saying what you just said, right? People don't know behind the scenes to keep one going. Yeah, and you can't get. And I will say this: you gotta do some self care. Yeah. There's going to be times you're going to have to say, I'm doing a me day. I'm not doing nothing. And I know for me, on my me days, I'm fighting and struggling not to do nothing. Same. Because <laughs> I'm feeling like I'm supposed to be doing something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if your cup is empty, how can you fill somebody else's? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's what, when we had those days like that, that's what people need to see. That we yeah. find some epimone. Uh, I'm going to have you talk about that, too. <laughs> that's Greek for perseverance. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah. So, Evermone is a uh, brand that uh, you'll be able to see on Growth by the Signs on Facebook or Instagram. And Evermone is a Greek word for perseverance, like I said. And it, I uh, define it as a combination of staying power, diligence, endurance, and persistence to overcome in time of difficulty. Mm. And that's what we have to do sometimes. Even when sometimes you're tired and you don't feel like getting out of bed, you know, your time of difficulty might be trying to go from the bed to the floor to get dressed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Or your time of difficulty might be, hey, I got these midterms, I got to study, I got all this going on, and I still have to persevere through. 
So that's why I came up with that. Uh, also, Grow by the Signs, you'll see other brands on there, such as Spiritual Billionaire. I like that one because mm. everybody wants to be a financial billionaire. Nobody talks about being a spiritual billionaire. Like love, kindness, gentleness, goodness, you know, uh, patience. You know, what about those? And so, you know, that's another endeavor I'm partnering with, uh, Grow by the Signs. And I would like to say that I had this saying one time, I said, I used to boost and sell clothes for dope, now I produce and sell clothes for hope. Mm-hmm. To uplift and encourage. Mm-hmm. You know, back to uh, one of your sessions, you and Addie, mm-hmm. yeah, I was talking about the downtown district and everything, and oh yeah, I did speak to Zach <laughs> Matheny at DGI about what y'all said, and I'm going to let him listen to your interview. Mm-hmm. Because Greensboro is looking for more ways to keep people here, all these college students coming here and then leaving. Think mm-hmm. about the wealth that's leaving our city. Mm-hmm. So how can we keep that wealth here? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's going to take people like you speaking, Addie speaking, me speaking, those who listening. Uh, say, hey, make comments. You know, get on Downtown Greensboro Incorporated uh, website and make suggestions and everything. And uh, one thing I know about anything in life, if you start with what you have, what you have is plenty. Because all I do is take a desire. There's nothing more powerful than a made-up mind. If you say, hey, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that regardless of what difficulty may approach. Because I just read today, when pursuing a goal, always look at the end goal. Because you're going to have those family problems. You're going to have those work-related problems. You may have technology problems. <laughs> but what is going to keep you striving no matter what for you to say, I'm not going to give in to this. I'm not going to get it. I got to make sure this get done. Because there was times I had difficulty even with the application process of getting Gay City 180. I was just like, man, I could just keep doing Dana Darcy when they don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. But there's so many benefits when you keep pursuing your lifelong dream or a dream, especially if your dream or goal is to help others in some kind of way. You have to keep pressing for it. To me, if it's given too easy, you're not going to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I was one of them guys, you know, mom, give me everything I want. I ain't appreciate it. But now I see, because I'm older now, if you work hard for something, the more you appreciate it, the more value it has to you, and the more you're going to do the things to make sure that it is taken care of. Be a good steward with it. Beautiful. Yeah. Listen, last week I was speechless. This week I'm speechless. Like, this is just going to be less chase this season, I see. <laughs> y'all started off great. Yeah, y'all started off great. Um, I am going to ask you one question I did ask Addie. Um, so this is the master class. So metaphorically, you're the teacher in this situation in the school of life. And if you had a class, if you were charged with making a class, what would you call your class? Ever money. Money. Yeah. And the, and the class will be based on putting it into work. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times you'll see something. A lot of people, I, I used to do this. I see something. Like, I used to want to play guitar mm-hmm. when I was young. Mom bought, my granddad bought me a guitar and everything. But when I found out I had to go to practice and <laughs> not go outside and everything, I was like, man, put that guitar up. <laughs> you know, a lot of times we want something because we see somebody else doing it, but we don't see the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. 
like Prince used to clean the studio, be a janitor at the studio he uh, recorded at. Or uh, I heard about an artist sleeping in his car to make sure he had money for studio time. So there are things that I would say you have to put in the work and be willing to pay the opportunity cost. Mm. And that might be, hey, man, I got to get this master's degree. I got to do an internship. So I might have to give up my weekends to work part-time so I could do my internship Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, there's things that we're going to have to pay to get what we want. And nothing's going to come easy. Nice. Well, I have, I, I'm telling you, I literally prepared nothing because I knew you were going to just knock it out of the park. Well, I didn't prepare nothing. I prepared something. But I knew you were going to knock it out of the park all by yourself. So I'm going to let you close out the show in any way that you would like to. I see you have your book there if you want to. Yeah. If you want to look us up also, you can look us up on Facebook, Gate City 180. Or look me up, Dana Daughtry, and you'll see it underlined Ben L. Smith. And also on Instagram, we're Gate City 180. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a website soon. We're working on that. And we'll post our events. If you want to take part, like we're having the Toilet You Drive in May. And where we ask people if you want to donate. And then if you don't want to donate financially, but we'll get products out of yourself. We ask people to get travel size items. That way, the people that we're serving, it don't be so heavy on them. Mm-hmm. You know, these people are don't have a stationary place, so they're moving all the time. And, you know, the bags wear out, you know, they get tired, you know. So we try to make sure we could do the best for them when we get them the product. Uh, also, just be on the lookout for a crop over event in April mm-hmm. as well. And also January 16th, the day before Martin Luther King's birthday. We'll be giving out sleeping bags right here at Center City Park. We'll be out there at 7.30 a.m. to give out sleeping bags and be amongst the people. Matter of fact, it's called Bullies and Blankets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I found out is, and I've seen it by working, that, you know, you probably heard somebody say, how they homeless and they got a dog? Mm. Well, I found out that's their companion. That relationship with that dog is probably the only relationship they got. You know, we looking at it is they don't have a place to go. They can't feed themselves. How do you, that dog is what probably keeping them going. Mm-hmm. And so by talking and being amongst the people and I say, hey, I pitched, I, you know, it was, I did was pitched to me. And then I pitched it to the people that we're going to be serving. It's like, yeah, we love that. You know, because a lot of people like, most people like dogs mm-hmm. and bullies. They're well-tempered. They're beautiful. Uh, they're funny too. And I was just like, you know, talking with my partner, Lorenzo Donnell with Tri-City Bullies. He was just like, man, he want to give back because he's, you know, donated and also came out there and served. And that inspired him to want to do. <laughs> so a lot of your work that you're doing to uh, for the good of the uh, humanity inspires other people. Okay. Well, in other terms, probably would have never thought about doing it. But then, you know, they come out and they serve. So be looking for that January 16th. You come out, you can meet me. We'll be there. Uh, the dogs be there. If you uh, scare the dogs, I understand. Uh, <laughs> they say, hey, can you come over here? I'll come talk to you and everything. Yeah, Awesome. But I do have something I want to read because I've seen, this is like my devotion, December 18th. Mm-hmm. It says, share your life. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. 
First Thessalonians 2.8. Many people are praying for a miracle. God, please send me a friend. God, I need help with these children. I need training. God, I need a good break. We have to realize that we can become the miracle they need. God uses our lives to touch and encourage and bless others. God will bring people across our path so we can be the answer to their prayers. Take time to become the miracle. Be aware of who is in your life. God put them there on purpose. It's because of you. You are full of miracles. There is healing in you. There is restoration. There is friendship. There are new beginnings. You can lift the fallen. You can restore the broken. You you can become kind to a stranger. You can become someone's miracle. You knocked it out of the park. I have nothing else to say other than I'll see or I'll I'll get you mess me up. You can't <laughs> you mess me up. <laughs> you mess me all up. Dog on it. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Thank, Thank you for, for being me. here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your story and your journey. Um I would encourage the audience to come out January sixteenth, even if you are scared of dogs. Yeah. I'm slightly a little mm-mm. But I'll try to be there. Um, And, you know, get involved with the community. There's a lot of stuff going on um, that I think me and Addie alluded to, that there's a lot going on behind the scenes. There are a lot of people that are doing the work. Um, It's just up to the the people that are listening to these things and and who are in the community to go out and find them um, and make sure that they're, you know, being caught in the loop as well. So, yeah, millions of thank yous to you. I appreciate you so much. And even though you messed me all up at the end, I'll catch y'all on the flip side. Peace out. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Renaissance Project, a Black girls movement. Want to join the combo? Contact me via Instagram at the Renaissance P-R-J-C-T or you can email me at the Renaissance P-R-J-T at gmail.com. If you feel like to donate, you can do so by sending your funds to dollar sign chase ac7 on cash app it is not required but definitely encouraged that's all from me i hope to see you next thursday until then be well